Father, we give you thanks. Indeed, we have no other God but you. Our help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. Today, Lord, we come to learn from you. We come to receive the spirit of wisdom. Lord, we trust that you will grant it to us in the name of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we declare as follows. Now I declare, the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In our spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. His word is entering my heart. It's giving me light and direction. It's healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. amen. Now please greet somebody on your left and your right. Tell the person you are very wise. Understanding is your portion. Tell the person you are wise with the wisdom of heaven. And while you are doing that, you can sit down afterwards. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe, you give me an amen. Amen. Let's open to the book of Isaiah chapter 51. I want to read that to start our talk today. Our discussion which we've been having on the culture of faith. Remember, faith produces external manifestations. And if it doesn't, it's likely it's not genuine. Very important we understand it. Anything we say we have in our hearts must reflect outwardly. You know, I don't know whether I'll get it today or next time. I'm actually going to, I'm going to do something that Pentecostals hardly ever do. I'm going to talk about what the Word of God says about how Christians are supposed to dress. Jesus actually will look at some people who dress in the morning and they will shake his head. He just send one little boy to Paul, just a way to send you back home, say, go and change that skirt. It's not godly. Now wear a different tie. Look like a thief. <laughs> some people will dress, they are going on the road. Even if they didn't do anything, the police just arrest them for the fun of it. Just come inside here. Why? You look like a criminal. That is, what did I do? It doesn't matter. You just look like you stole something. Oh, do you know to God it matters? If it didn't matter, why would he have dressed up Aaron the way he did? It matters to him. It's just that it's not one of the weightier matters of the law. But we have to get the concept, you understand? What he has in mind, what he says. And it's important to understand that so we don't become too religious about some things. Some people not put that as a basis of righteousness. That becomes a problem. But my emphasis is that it actually matters. When we get there, we'll discuss it. All right. Now, but what I'm just trying to say is that everything we do outwardly is supposed to reflect the faith that is inside us. That's what we're looking at in this series. Uh, we're at the point in which Paul uh, talks about relationships, and I've said that one is very, very important. That's one of the weightier matters of the law. Now, I'm borrowing that expression. I'm not saying we are dealing with the law. I'm just saying these are the weightier issues in Christianity. How we handle our relationships. And I've been talking about the issue of marriage. Uh, I is supposed to be, even though I said it's not a marriage seminar, so I have to be brief about everything. So I intend to stop that today. Okay? We've done two um, sessions on it. We're not doing a marriage seminar. Okay? So we have to try and be brief. So we can go on to other things. So our relationships matter. We're looking at the marriage um, relationship. And based upon that, in that light, I just want to read a few scriptures here and conclude some things that will, uh, a few loose ends that we need to tie up. We have talked about how the husband is supposed to love the wife. We did, did that last time. 
the session before that, we established the, uh, the structure in the home and we emphasized on the role of the woman who I said, no, the Bible makes clear that she holds the larger share of power when it comes to harmony and joy and peace in the home. And that's why God always started with her first. Paul, when he was given the instructions, he gave her first. When Peter was given his own instructions, he also gave to her first when he was given his own instructions. Now, so, let's now continue. Please open your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 51. Remember, we have to do what the Lord says, not what the world says. Are you getting me? It's important. It's important. The world has its own standards. We have a duty to hold on to God's standards. We have a duty to hold on to divine precepts. We have that duty. The book of Isaiah chapter 51, it says, Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord. Look at the rock from which you were hewn, and from the quarry from which you were dug. And what is that place? Look to Abraham your father, and to Sarah who gave birth to you in pain. When he was but one, I called him. Then I blessed him and multiplied him. Let me just read verse 3 to conclude my reading. Indeed, the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. And her wilderness he will make like Eden. And her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and sound of a melody. Bear that in mind. Verse 2 is the most important reason I read that. Look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who gave birth to you in pain. Now, my Bible says, when he was but one, I called him. Now, why I'm reading that is that he looked at Abraham and said he was one, even though at that time he was married to Sarah. Are you getting my point? And he mentioned her name here. He said, when he was but one, I called him. Then I blessed him and multiplied him. Now, let's open our Bibles again. Genesis chapter 2. Let's open our Bibles, Genesis chapter 2, because I just want to be quick. I'll just go down to the to a few verses that are relevant most to what I want to bring out. But we all know it anyway. Let's start from verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. In verse 23, the Bible says, The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Just to conclude this. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Let's read one more. We've been reading First Peter chapter 3 quickly. Let's quickly get back there. We've read this a number of times. Now, to save our time, I'm just going to read one verse. He said, You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman. I think he emphasized that she's a woman. <laughs> Didn't he? He can't be a man. No matter how much they want to write the rules, it can't be a man. Sometimes I read, I said, <laughs> which country's president went to a meeting with his husband? Luxembourg. 
And he, he, okay, no, he went with his wife. And the wife went with his husband. Because the wife is a he. This world is so upside down. And they said the, the, the wives will come and take picture, pictures. And the morons stood amongst women, feeling like Virgin Mary. Blessed are thou amongst women. Shamelessness. The guy stood with women while they were taking pictures with the wives of the heads of states. All the heads of states were men. And he stood like that. And you are telling me God won't send people to hellfire. Why won't, if you were God, wouldn't you send people to hellfire? Just think about it for a moment. You will do that. You will do it anyway. <laughs> no wonder Peter said, <laughs> because what? She's a woman. Because he knew that one day, one cra- a set of crazy people are going to arise and said that our wives are men. How do you interpret these scriptures in their lives? It's not possible. Say so you husbands live in the same way, live with force with your wife because he may be a man. <laughs> That's the verse they would have to write for them. <laughs> Let's get back to our own logical, spiritual, acceptable reading. Amen? You husband in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman. It says, show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of God so that your prayers will not be hindered. I needed to read that portion of hindrance to prayer. He says, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now, we just need to summarize some important points about this issue of relation, marriage relationship before we go on to the next point. In this, our culture of faith matter. Now, remember, the way you behave is a reflection of what is deep-seated in your heart. You may try to behave differently, but except you change what is inside your heart, it is hard. You're always going to be struggling to behave in a particular way. Now, last time I mentioned this briefly, but I just f- felt that I should get back to it. In fact, I noticed that I said it last time that I will come back to it. For us to understand divine order. John says something. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. What that means is that under Christianity, we don't just give laws. You should go like this, do that, don't do this. What Jesus comes to do is to give us the power to do right. And one of the things he does is to teach us the spiritual truths behind what he's saying. For example, when they came to him and said, can we divorce our wives like the Pharisees are teaching? And he said, no. And he said, why not? After all, Moses said that um, we can write a certificate of divorce and then let the woman go. And he said, in the beginning, it was not so. He didn't just tell that Moses was wrong, of course. He explained to them, the reason why Moses allowed you to do that was because of the hardness of your heart. He said, but actually, there is something that predates Moses. And that's what we just read now, you understand? In that Genesis chapter 3, he said, that was how it was in the beginning. And for those who do not know, when Jesus said in the beginning, you can read it two ways. You can read it as, okay, in the beginning of everything. But also, what he was, it's also proper to look at it like this. He was saying in the book of Genesis, it was not like that. Because the <laughs> Genesis is the Greek title for... The, the Hebrew didn't have the word Genesis there. The book is in the beginning. The first few words in the book is always the name of a book. That's how it is for the Hebrews. So when Jesus said in the beginning, it was not so. We can read it in modern times and say, if you open your book to Genesis, you will discover that was not how God made it. So he was quoting that. 
He was giving us a spiritual foundation for how he wanted us to behave or how he wants us to behave. And that's why I want to go over this again. It is important we rewrite the codes in our hearts that have been put in there by the society. Without that, we will not get things right. Without that, we will not get things into um, the, uh, the, the, the order that the Lord wants these things to be in. There is a way he wants them to be. We will not be able to do that. We will just be trying. You know, people come sometimes, you know, a lot of times, of course, because you're a preacher and you say things, people come to you and ask you for advice and stuff. When it comes to marriage matters, one of the things I've realized is that you can teach general principles when people want to give you, when people want to paint a particular picture of his, you know, of maybe give his particular scenario, how do you handle this? I always like to see the people. Are you getting my point? Why? Because what I have in my heart are the foundational principles. Then it's only when I hear your details, I'll be able to apply them to that particular situation. Are you getting my point here? So people, a lot of times, they just want to come, collect, do, don't, and walk away. Especially when it comes to this marriage matter. Eh? Do, don't can be very hard. Because there are so many things that are happening in the individual lives. You know the one we were talking about the other day? That man that came to see you here, you know? I just told him, I said, look, call him. Tell, look, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to your wife. Because the reason is that if on the surface, and remember the other one you told me about, a, a man who came to complain about his wife was not performing all her, her fun duties. And then by the time he called the woman and said, Madam, why are you not doing your duties? You want somebody else to do it. It's not the will of God, though. You know that kind of thing. By the time she opened her mouth and said her own side, you felt like a, 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 a you know, knife and castrating the man for the interest of, in the interest of peace. Say, Oga. Because when the woman finished talking, you realize that this man... But the point I make is that what we need to do is hear, is understand the foundational principles. Then we'll start working towards making those things real in our experiences. It's very important. I said something last time, I need to say it again. The Bible says, exercise yourself unto what? Godliness. You know what exercise is, I'll tell you. Alright, those days, you will go to the gym, you want to carry something, maybe you want to bench press something like uh, 60 kg, and you are just starting. If you try it, you will die. Are you getting my point? You are just starting. First day. If you try it, the thing may fall on your chest, crush your ribs, crush your heart, and then the story is over. But they don't start it like that. I remember when I first started in one particular gym here, the guy looked at me and my friend. He gave us this empty bar, you know, just gave us the bar. No weight on it. <laughs> Do you get my point? We'll have looked like clowns, you know, just carried empty bar, no weight on it. He just carry it up ten times. Very good coach. The guy just yeah. The guy who just say, yeah, do that. Fifteen reps. You're like, oh boy, this thing is light. Just do it fifteen times. You come back, you are finished, you look at this, okay. Alright, do it five more times. You know, you give you a few instructions. But this guy just gave us the, the can you believe that? That empty thing. But that thing actually weighs, I think, fifteen pounds or fifteen kg. That bar. Then we did that for a few days. The following week, he added five pounds there. Five pounds there. And then my friend and I were targeting when he would put 25 pounds here and 25 pounds here. And then one day, finally, 25 pounds here, 25 pounds there. And we went, and you go 10 times, come out, shake your shoulder, father, you're feeling good. That's what men are supposed to do. What is running around a square? I don't know what they, <laughs> what they threw away. Now, that's not scripture. That's just my opinion. You get my point. That's not the word of God, though. Even though when I look at people running up and down, I say, did you offend somebody? <laughs> or are you the Satan's disciple running to and fro? 
Like I said, that's just my what opinion. Then we did that. Then after a while, my friend and I, we decided that we can be adding. We kept on adding until one day I didn't go. The guy told me that bank. You know, I put 50 here, 50 here, 50 pounds, 50 pounds, 100 pounds, plus the bar. I said, oh boy. He said, yes, oh. That he needed to attain it. Me too, I kept on trying. I don't know where I got to before we stopped going. But I'm going somewhere. We didn't go there and say, this thing is too heavy and walk away. That is what people do when you tell them divine principles. They will say it's not possible and they walk away. You are supposed to do what? Exercise yourself unto godliness. That's what I want to emphasize. When we set the target, we set the spiritual principles down. Nobody is saying it is easy. You just wake up one day and you've never lived like that. But remember, that is a target. Every day you add something to it. You change the way you talk. You improve you know, the way you relate with your husband, the way you relate with your wife. You find something else that somebody is doing, you know, don't just discard it. You mean a woman can live like that? Then you make it a target and you walk towards it. That's what I told that long story about what we do that we were doing at the gym. You don't just get there one day and if you feel like Arnold Schwarzenegger, don't try it. But once you see Arnold Schwarzenegger, no, no, are you getting my point by Arnold? You see what you can do. You have a picture in, in your mind that oh, we can do this. Then you start walking towards it. Like I said to you, the first day we went there, I've forgotten now, the weight of the empty bar is like 15 pounds. Do you understand? Just like 15 pounds. But by the time we have been going for a few months, we put plus the 15 pounds, we added 50 pounds on it. And that was just big, we were just starting. Then we kept on adding, you no, know, each side, 10 here, 10 here, 20. Then we added 40 pounds. And they wondered, they remember that they didn't go. My friend said, oh boy, I pushed up a hundred. I said, what? Yes. Put two plates here, two plates there. You did that. That was a hundred and almost a hundred and twenty pounds. That's hundred on the bar, on the plates and then the bar. Yet when he and I started, they tossed us the empty bar. That's what godliness is. We exercise ourselves. We set the standard of God before us and we walk towards it. There are men who can't understand now. No, and I don't blame you. Just start, start at home. Then you start doing it outside. That there's one seat. Oh, yeah, they are sitting down. The wife comes in and he gets up for her to sit. Some people think it's impossible. It's African culture, you know, that's just the way it is. But some, for some of us, we learned in university, they taught us this very early. That you are the men, you're supposed to take care of the women. So as students on campus, I used to say it, if you see, Two guys carrying a heavy load, and one small lady is following them behind. Just know they are Christians. Because we're taught that that's how you take care of the ladies. So when the ladies had work to do, they'll come and call us. And we'll go there and they will stand and watch us do it. Let me move the fridge, put it over there. They won't lift one finger. And we're taught to enjoy doing it. Yeah, we're taught. We're taught to enjoy doing it. When I first married, I used to tell my wife that, look, you're not allowed to carry anything unless my, both of my hands are full. So carry one, let me carry one. I said, no. That's how it's to be a man, you know? You know, weaker sex, you know? We are the, you are the woman, I'm the man, so let me suffer. <laughs> we're, we're taught to do it. So if you were not like that, you learned it, you, you are heard it, then you start it. 
Those that is white man's culture. I have never taught white man's culture. I didn't learn anything from white man. Well, I must have learned what? I don't even know. No, I'm talking about marriage. Marriage. There's no culture I think I picked from them. Because some of the ones we admired as young people, I threw them away as I was growing up. As I was learning scriptures. Those days we said, ah! The first time I heard somebody, one lady was talking. And just, okay. Instead of saying, just like my husband said, just said, hey. Uh, just like uh, John said, you know, for us, it was strange. I remember one sister beside me said, wow, she was so excited, so romantic. Me too, I believed it. <laughs> the one day I read my Bible, say, Sarah never called Abraham John, never. <laughs> there was no day Sarah woke up and said, John, where are you taking Isaac to? So I, I threw away some of the cultures. Are you getting my point? I want to say something here. So don't dismiss something as, it's white man's culture. No. And never stick with something that is African culture. And therefore, you stick with it. So this is our culture. It's our culture. You know, there are times they say, they, they say masquerade is our culture. Masquerade is not your culture. It's a culture of idolatry. So when you, get, when you move away from idolatry, masquerade should vanish from your vocabulary, from your environment. If you're a Christian, you're still going for village masquerade. That's why your children will be dream, dreaming bad dreams. And that's not a joke. You pack, you go home, and then you'll be there. They are going, 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 and then you, you are, Jesus is just ashamed of you. Are you getting my point? You forget that this masquerade is a culture of idolatry. Are you not coming for the festival? Say, I'm not coming. Why? You tell them, it's not the one with the masquerade who come out to dance. I'm sorry, I'm a Christian. I don't watch masquerades. I don't enjoy them. They are the relics of the worship of idols. They became the culture. Like we said, culture is a cloak of religion. People are still wearing the, people, people are still wearing the old garment of a religion they don't practice anymore. But they still have the garment. So, look, don't tell me anything. This is how it is done in your place. Unless... It helps us because everybody have, you know, the, the, almost everybody will have one bit or the other you know, of some remnants of righteousness. Are you getting my point? You see some remnants of righteousness here and there. So there are things that you find and they are good. So if it fits what God has taught us, then we hold on to that. But if it doesn't fit, we throw it away. One of the reasons why marriage has problems is that people don't understand the foundation of God. And that's why I read some of these we read. But I want to look at a lot of them just to summarize it. We've talked about them here and there. We saw what Peter said. Clearly to first let's start okay, let's start with Peter. Just to remind ourselves. Don't bother opening your Bible, we've read it before. Peter said, verse 7. He said, Live your with your wives in an understanding way. My emphasis here is that. Show our honor as a fellow heir of the grace of Christ. That's what I wanted to bring out there. He says, show her what? Honor. As a fellow heir. You know, I'm looking for something here. Good. A New Living Translation. She may be weaker than you are, but she's your equal partner in God's gift of new life. That's what I want to bring out to us again. We discussed it last time, but I want to just emphasize it. She's what? Your equal Please tell every man to bear that in mind. I said submission is not beautiful except there is equality. What makes submission a, a, what's that English word? 
A virtue. Ah, this man, you, you, you know. Is it English you know a Bible? Whichever one. Because that, that, that's, a, that's a Bible word, you know. What makes submission a virtue is that you have the opportunity to hold on to equality. Are you getting my point here? So people who are trying to prove to us that men are equal to women or women are equal to men. They have not told us anything we don't know. Our Bible taught us like that. That our wives are equal to us, men. A Christian home, the man understands that the woman is his equal. That is what makes her, that's what makes submission for her a virtue. It is not a virtue. If I was much superior to somebody and the person recognizes it, what is now the big deal in it? What did you for do before? You won't lose your job. You're getting my point. Do you want me to fire you? One day when I was a house officer, one young man came. He stood before me and said, no, no, a student, you know, about to enter university. Now, I was a university graduate. I was doing my internship as a young doctor. So he just walked up and he said that, um, I said, ah, my guy, like, how can we get this form filled now? You know, they were supposed to go for tests, go around, and then finally you get to a doctor, look at the test. Just came up to me and said, ah, he had the forms like this. So how can we go about getting this thing filled now? I looked at him. I know I sound arrogant and pompous, but you're just getting admission to university. I've spent six years there. I have finished laboring for six years. I've come out. You just look, at, and you're supposed to come to me, you know. So I said, I, I said, I told him, listen, excuse me. I, I told him, you go this way. They will give you forms there. You go around your test over there. Then you go around like this, and I, I just pointed to him like this. So you move that way. I knew I was angry. I remember that very well. And I said, well, he just saw that I'm a young man like him. I'm, I'm not a young man like you. Don't be stupid. I'm not a long, young man like you. I'm a young man that's at least six years your senior in this work. This academic thing. At least six. You just walk up to me, raise your shoulder, say, I'm a young man like you. You should come to me and say, ah, hello, doc, please, how can I help you? Please, can you help us? Then I will decide that, oh, there's no need to be so humble. I'm a young man like you. I am the one that will decide that, not you. I'm the one to decide it. Are you getting my point? I am the one that will bring myself down, not lift your whole shoulder. You are arrogant. You are proud. You are getting my point here. It becomes a virtue when you can hold on to a position and you refuse to. That's why the Bible talks about Jesus. That even though he had equality with God, he did not see it as something to grasp or hold on to. But he gladly became obedient to the point of death. That is how people are elevated. If God wants to reward people, I know when we look at our, the, our stories in the Bible, we think of the 12 apostles of Jesus as those ones that will sit on thrones. But I can assure you of one thing. I believe that the potential to get great reward with God, the women have a higher potential than the men. Why? Because of this. Because God started their lives like, like this. You are equal with your husband. He tells the man, this woman is equal. Two of you are what? Equal. So it's a virtue for her to not deliberately put herself down. Do you know, listen to me. You know, there are people that God defends. 
Woman, listen to me. If you're a wife, if you're the type that knows how to stand for your right, God will never speak for you. You will fight for everything you will get from your husband, from your in-laws, from everybody. This one that everybody is healing that you are a tough woman. That is where you are losing everything. You know who this woman called uh, Abra- uh, Sarah? Remember her story? We talk about her. She was, you know, meek, humble, humble, call her husband Lord, which for modern day is Sir. You understand? And looked like, wow. And the woman was preaching where my wife was present once and said that, look, see, Sarah was a weak woman. She did not know how to stand. By the time she finished shredding Sarah to pieces, my wife was looking at her Bible that, is this Sarah? Is it the same Sarah in my Bible? <laughs> which other Bible? <laughs> my wife came home that day. And she was like, my husband, please, I have a question. I may be confused. I was like, what is it? He said, she told me who. I said, huh? <laughs> By the time she finished, let me not go there. I, I think I told my wife there, didn't you see the relationship between her and her husband? Didn't you see the relationship between the two of them? People sometimes, they interpret scriptures from their personal experiences. That's true. That's true. Some pastors come to church, they are angry every day. Any little bit of, you know, insubordination or... Lack of obedience to the instructions, they flare up. You don't know. His wife never listens to him. So if you, if you, if you don't greet him, he says, you people don't greet again. You don't realize that. He's angry. So every little thing, he interprets it. Remember, he didn't notice it was there. Just call, he said, okay, Mute, what's wrong with you? Because we call the apostle here, it means everybody's not the same level. And you are wondering, sir, what happened? You, you, you're just confused, like, what happened now? You don't know that his wife, has shown him pepper, onion, ataro, do everything. <laughs> In the last one week. So everything that looks like insubordination. I told my wife, I said, look, forget that thing. The Sarah we're talking about, back to the issue of Sarah. Did you notice that when she was right, and Lord Abraham or Sir Abraham was wrong, do you know who defended her? God himself. He didn't come to him and say, Abraham, you know, I've been thinking about what's going on in your family. In the interest of peace, try and give your wife what she's asking for. No, you know God doesn't give people advice. I hope you know that. He doesn't give advice. Everything that comes out from his mouth is an instruction. You disobey to your own peril. How do you people say it? At your own peril. You, you don't, look, it's not counsel. He walked to Abraham and said to him, go and listen to the voice of your wife. It was an instruction. She was right. God defended her. Physically speaking, she was wrong. Let's, let's get it clear. So don't, Mr. Abraham was not being unreasonable. How can you tell me? I sit down, JJ, say, okay, I'll go and give that woman belly. I give her belly to finish. Say, drive her away with the child. Ah. He said, okay, they've not invented cocaine. What is going on? Why is he already working in your life? <laughs> we are still 2,000 years away from the invention or, or discovery of cocaine. That's what happened to Abraham. Abraham was like, what is wrong with you? But guess what? She was right. She mentioned it and walked away from it. Let me give you the scriptural or inspired definition for nagging. He's saying the same thing again and again, thinking that you wear me out with your much coming. Are you getting my point? You know, there's this issue of, there's an unjust judge. And one woman said, (laughs) what did the judge say? Lest she wears me out with this her persistence. If it's a wife, that is an evil thing. Persistence, you know, be careful how you interpret results. I was studying my Bible and I, I, I stumbled on the story again. How Israel got Saul as a king. 
If you didn't read the whole story, you will see God telling Samuel, I will send you a man. I have appointed him a king. But do you know how they got it? They wouldn't listen. There are many results you get because God got tired of we still, we, you know, obstructing your way. So okay, let me let you prosper in your own way. Let us see where it will get you to. And we saw where Saul got them to. If you harass God enough for things, you may get many things he doesn't want you to have. That's why I tell people, stop painting pictures on the wall. God said we should put his word on the wall. Instead of putting a picture of the kind of house you want to live in on the wall, put the picture of contentment on the wall. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. Print it boldly, stick it on the wall, and look at it every day. Stop painting your dream house on the wall. Those are the things they taught us, those and they call it faith. It's nothing but spiritualism. It's, it's a modified form of witchcraft. Nobody is dying, but it's not spiritual. It's spiritualism, not spirituality. You want to put something on the wall? Put the word of God on the wall. So what if I need a house? Ah, many scriptures there now. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Put that on the wall. It's in the scriptures. Put it on your wall. It said that in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6, into verse 8. You can read it there. Print it and put it there. One of the days of putting pictures of things you are desiring. Once you are material, put them on the wall. Those days they taught us to put the, the kind of wife you wanted to marry. You, you, you picture her. You, you picture her. You, you picture her. Well, all the pictures you have is one of two. Either a woman that looks like your mother or the one you saw in home video. There's no third option. Men can only paint two pictures. Either their, mo- their mother's photograph or the girl they saw in film. Unfortunately, God said, behold, I do a new thing. <laughs> the Lord is good. Your wife may not look like your mother at all. Now, what I'm going to say, so that just by the way, alright? So it's not persistence. Persistence and faith can be, they are different things. It's when you persistently hold on to the word of God that it is faith. Alright? So back to what, what I'm going to say. In Abraham, in, in Sarah's case, what did God do for her? She mentioned her matter once and left Sarah alone. And God went and woke Sarah up. Okay, wake up. We made you the king in this house. doesn't mean that everything you say is right. Though. In this situation, that woman is correct. And he defended her. The submissive woman has given her power and authority over to God. I know people think that if you are, you know, a young girl must never counsel another young girl. It is a blind leading the blind. If you want counsel, Young woman, go and ask an older spiritual person. Two girls will now sit down, or two new wives talking to themselves. What do they know? (laughs) Say, look, if you calm your head down, they will ride over you. You have to stand up for what you want. Don't take nonsense from any man. Once you are heading like that, that is a seed for unhappiness. A seed. And you know what? They plant it inside their hearts. Instead of taking scriptures, when you believe such things, you have thrown away your joy and gladness. You have. You have not become stronger. You have become weaker. The person who really enjoys the one that understands that this is my power. I'm an equal. But then I take it as a seed. You know what they call seed? 
seed. I plant it in God. Say, God, you said submit. First, you said we are equal. It is obedience to God's word. That is why I am submitting. I'm laying my emphasis on the word equality first. That is what makes submission beautiful. Because I can refuse. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That's what makes it a virtue. That's why it is something that can be rewarded. That's why it's something that can be rewarded. Like Peter was saying, listen, if you are being punished where you walk wrongly, he said, that is good because you did what is right and they are punishing you wrongly. He said, but if you did wrong and they are putting punishment on you, he said, what praise do you have? Are you getting my point? That is why the Bible says it clearly. God defends that woman. And you know what he said in Malachi? He said, some men, they married a woman when both of them were struggling. He was nothing. She was nothing. Nothing married, nothing. God blessed them. Then when he had now become a big man, he now went and married another wife. Next time he brought sacrifice, God rejected all his sacrifices. Why? He said, because you have dealt treacherously with the wife of your youth. God defends people that he told to submit. He does. There is power. Are you getting my point? There is power in it. Well, look, Christianity, we need to learn to pray. I keep on saying that thing. Prayer is one thing that God gave to us. It's a serious weapon of war. It's a serious... Look, you know, I, I was reading it again. Why was God angry that Israel... Ask for a king. Have you ever thought about it? Why did he act? Why was he angry? I thought about it here. What's wrong with the king some years ago? But it simply it was because one of the reasons. And if you see, oh God, I don't, let me not go there. If I go there now, I won't, I won't leave that matter. I was studying it again. I realized that beware of results. If you are disobeying God, no matter the results you are getting, throw away the results. Because everything Israel wanted in a king, they got it the first year that Saul reigned over them. Things worked out exactly the way they planned. But I'm going somewhere. Why was God unhappy with them? It was because they felt they needed a man to mobilize them for battle, reign over them like the other nations around, to deliver them from trouble. But when Samuel actually took over as a judge in Israel, that's why I'm talking about prayer. When they gathered, they gathered as for a, a, a holy convocation. And the, the uh, is it Philistines now? Anyway, their oppressors heard it and they came to attack. You know what God did? They didn't have weapons. They didn't have weapons. Samuel just said, don't worry. And he prayed to God. I know what happened. First, there was thunder, lightning. Then the earth shook. All the Philistines disappeared. The Israelites without weapons pursued them, and that was how they won the battle they did not plan for. They came to pray, and those guys attacked. And Samuel uttered a simple prayer. And the heavens responded. Lightning, thunder, began to strike. Then the earth began to shake. Then the Philistines scattered. I can just imagine the Israelites carrying stone and pursuing people that had weapon. Are you getting my point? Now, I'm going to say something here. Prayer is something... It, it's not a religious habit. It's, it's something that act, it's, a, it's a tangible weapon. It has financial value. That is, you need a bigger house. The one you are saying it's too tight. What unbelief does is to remove your ability to pray. 
So they said, are you moving to a bigger house? I said, I don't have money. Once you say it like that, you are capped. Once you start giving, I don't have money as the excuse not to do something. You have limited the holy hand of God in your life. What should you say next time? Say, are you, uh, you say yes, sir, I will pray about it. Say it, assuming the house you need to move to is going to cost 900,000 naira. And all you have is 45,000. You know, no, no, let me like, it's going to cost 900. Some, and you know, there's a man that has 900 to pay. Are you getting my point? But you, you don't have. So one of them say, are you moving? He said, yes, we need to move to a bigger house. This place is getting too tight for us. It's just one room, just, you know, one sitting room, one bedroom. You know, when my mother comes, we all have, you know. And they say, so you need to move to a bigger house. I say, yes. So when are you moving? I don't know yet, but I am going to pray about it. Say it with the kind of confidence that a man that has a million uses to go and pay. Are you getting my point? You know, if you had that million, you say, okay, yeah, I've talked to the agent. They are looking for a house. Over the next one month, I hope they will. You know, I mean, you have a million doesn't mean you will get the house. Do you understand my point? Many people have, you've been there before. You've had money and six months you are still waiting. So the people that don't have cash, if they wait for six months, what, doesn't mean they don't have cash. Did you get what I'm going to say there? They are still waiting too. So say with confidence, I need to move to a bigger place. So what are you going to do? You have money. I will pray about it. The Lord will supply. God will supply in different ways. You can decide to supply cash. Or he can give you a house at a very low price. Or like one brother testified to me, when God moved upon him, he relocated back to Nigeria. Everybody thought he was crazy. He came to give his testimony that he contacted our messages when he was abroad. After listening to the word, after some time, he said he was going back home. People said, leave your wife here. Leave. He said, no, 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 no. It's not the will of God. And the wife said, no problem. It's not the will of God. She packed her and followed him back to Nigeria. He was not giving a testimony. Everybody thought he was crazy. His father thought he was crazy. You know, everybody's siblings. He said, well, now, all of them are looking at him like, it looks like you knew something we did not know. He said, that scripture has been fulfilled in my life. I live in a house I did not build, and I don't pay a dime. He said, because all these people who are abroad decided that let them build a house in Nigeria, you know, let's build. They're not looking, who's, who's trustworthy to take care of it? He was the only person they could find that was trustworthy. So that's how he packed into a house he did not build and he's not paying a dime. So he told me that day, he says, sir, that scripture has been fulfilled in my life. I live in a house I did not build. What am I saying? See, prayer is what? Tangible. It has value. A man has a billion naira. Another one has a billion prayer. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Both of them have value. The one that has a prayer is even shorter. Because this one, must does not destroy. Thieves do not break in and steal. Even Bitcoin. I heard they steal Bitcoin. But this prayer, nobody can steal it. I pray our faith will be built up to realize that the help of God is of material value. Is of material value. Back to the matter of the woman. So when she lays down her equality in the principle of submission, she has the power to call on God, and he does come to answer. Sarah was right. Abraham was wrong. But she was too respectful, too submissive. Just went to him. Okay. In one of these, I told my wife, I said, he said, okay, how do you handle this? I said, baby, what you're supposed to do is make requests. Wives, listen to it. You're not supposed to argue with your husband. If you're in a submissive situation, you don't argue. 
But nothing wrong with making your requests. You don't like this. Thank you, sir. I want you to do this one. Why? I like it. Nothing wrong with that. I don't know whether you get my point. But arguing that, eh, you didn't know you were having this. That one. Is. You know what God does? God will just remove his hand and be looking at you. Uh, when you are tired, I'll be back. Now, I'm laying the principles in our hearts again. These principles make it easy for us to obey the truth. So one, there's equality. Don't forget it. The culture that makes the wife inferior is wrong. The culture of God is that they are both equal. They are equal. It just that, like I said last time, that is why if the woman does not submit, there is nothing the man can do about it. That will be of God, nothing. See, because of that, I won't give her money again. <laughs> what if she now gets a big job, a contract that's any that's now more than the one you have? Your <laughs> your your power has been removed by God. What are you now going to do? I will beat her. Ah, what if he's bigger and stronger than you? <laughs> so what are you now going to do? Are you getting my point? There's no power that God has given to the man to enforce submission. The only one, in quote, in quote, is very funny. He said, love your wife. He didn't qualify it. Now, like I said last time, listen, submission is an instruction from God. Amen? Amen. Yes, submission is an instruction from God. But the man... The men can make it easy. Are you getting my point? By being responsible, by occupying their position. They can make it easy. In the same manner, love your wife is an instruction from God. Well, sisters, you can also make it easy. If every time I talk, you shout back at me, I will love you, but it's hard work. You're making my work hard. When is your birthday? I'll be buying you like if we don't buy now, they say we are wicked. And that's not, that kind of gift will not bless you. <laughs> It, 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 it will be a blessing. He said, ah, oh, you're making this dress for your wife. We'll make it now if we don't make it now. Like, like one of my guys, you see, he was buying a phone for his wife. Very expensive phone. Very expensive. I said, oh boy, ah, you try. He said, maybe I'll have some peace. When I say expensive phone, good quality, top end phone. I said, ah, in my mind, like, oh, you are come. He said, no. He said, let's see whether this will buy me some peace. Like I said, don't make loving you difficult. <laughs> it didn't work anyway, by the way. That one did not work. <laughs> oh, it did not work. It didn't work. Oh, that, the story I'm telling you, that one did not work. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm explaining something here. So, we, the man is not, doesn't have anything he can do. That's why I said the power lies with that woman. It does. Christian culture. That's what we're explaining. Okay, so I'm laying the foundation. One, let's, let's never forget it. And for that reason, men, you can appreciate it. When you realize that it's an equal we are dealing with. Not the last piece of furniture, which is the reason why, whether you are rich or not, is not what decides when you will marry. Oh, oh. Hey, I said it's not a marriage seminar. Apostle, please remind me. When I start going to say, Pastor, it's not a marriage seminar, stop. This culture that, it's, it's, it's modern. So when you have built a house, bought a car, put furniture everywhere, you now look, say, your mother will now come. Okay, okay, you know, we've seen the films. Can I, can I, the mother will now come. My son, there is something missing in this house. 
and they acquire you like a, the last piece of furniture. It's not good. In fact, this is how he said, they said, hey, widows don't have rights. Widows don't have rights. I said, they can't have rights. When I first came to Enugu that time, he was, was making the waves. Widows rights, widows rights. I said, like, people, what you sow is what you will reap. As a society, we are saying what is wrong. You now want us to reap what is good. I said, widows can't have rights because they've been treated like the last piece of furniture. And the man has made you now add her and her hanger on the wall. He will not die. You think the brothers will not let you inherit that house? You are on drugs. They're not going to let you. They knew when you came. They knew when the guy used to wake up at 4 a.m. Hustle, 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 hustle. The hustle paid off. Now built a big house. You are not the last furniture he imported. He put you there. Good enough, you're able to produce two pieces of furniture with yourself. That's children. <laughs> because he has been hustling for 30 years. One day, he woke up. Boom. One actually explained in his brain. He died. And I say, I will inherit this house. In fact, don't even want to hear it. Just carry your children and say, okay, I'm going. That's the problem with obeying Christian culture sometimes. People want to in- in- inherit it. They want to obey when it suits them. They are not willing to marry a poor man, but they want to inherit the wealth of a rich man. You are, you are on drugs. For you to have the moral right to want to inherit his you know, you know, stuff, you must also have the spiritual trait that was willing to marry him if he was poor. Otherwise, you are nothing but a gold digger. That's why I like Christianity. I like Christian women. They don't marry you because they want to marry you. Whether you are rich or poor is your personal problem. And guess what? God will bless them. Amen. Oh, he always does. 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 I'm telling you, he will. When people obey him, he blesses them. It's not the Bible because the companion of your youth. I said you should tell me that, remind me that it's not a marriage seminar. You are enjoying it, you are not serious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lay my principles down. Alright? So, like I said, it's a matter of equality. Next principle I want, also, I want to emphasize again is that issue of oneness. We read all the scriptures. The two shall become one. That's where they bear the same name. If you marry a wife, and she comes with an idea that my father is influential. Can I retain his name? Say no. Don't do, just say no. Why? I'm, you ask me, Abby. Like I used to, I tell my wife, I said, that's why I'm a husband, the privilege to say no. You know, when I go, when I, when I go to class, I tell my students, I say, you can't come after me. That once I enter class, you can't enter again. I say, in case you are wondering why, I'll give you the answer. I said, one of the fringe, I said, this job is not a high paying job. One of the fringe benefits is being the boss. When you want to do a program, once president enters, they sing national anthem. Nobody's coming in again. I mean, are you more important than the president? Why should you come in after him? So I say, in this class, I'm like that. Don't struggle my privilege with me. If I wonder where they will struggle my privilege with me, I'll go and get a better job. <laughs> of course, all they do is laugh. But they know, once I enter class, that's it. You stay outside. Why? I say, why are you struggling? You're not that important here. You're not a lecturer. You're a bloody medical student. <laughs> The Lord is good. No, Pastor Rosary say, so refuse. So why are you refusing? Say, I like it like that. I'm a refusing man. Amen. <laughs> but of course, why we are refusing is that the two shall become one. There's one man in the Bible. My wife was pointing out to me the other day. They said when he married, he took the, <laughs> the name of his family's, of his wife's family. 
So Ezra was gathering the names. They removed him from priest to say, we don't know who your father is. <laughs> my wife brought it down to me. I said, baby, have you noticed this thing? No, did I say baby? No, my wife's not allowed to call me baby unless things are happening, but normally. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> why are you laughing? These children were not conceived of the Holy Spirit, I can assure you. That is good. <laughs> so I came and said, please, oh, what? what do you think? I just laughed. I, I read it too. I laughed. The guy took, <laughs> he abandoned his own name. Because his, I think his wife's father was very rich. In an influential family. He wanted to make it in politics. <laughs> Married a, a politician. <laughs> a politician's daughter. He took the family name. God said, no trouble. I'm waiting for you. <laughs> Then when they gathered back to rearrange the priesthood, it was a priest, a Levite. They checked, checked, checked. Ah. They say, who's your father? <laughs> that was how they deleted him permanently from priesthood. No, permanent deletion. That was the end. Now, wrong name he collected. He just took a wrong. Ah! I'm serious. Maybe he's in Ezra, right? Yes. That was his end. In priesthood. And they wrote it for us. So we'll be abusing him years later. No, the Bible says the two shall become one flesh. The other day we'll talk about the principle of monogamy in Christianity. The reason why we believe in monogamy is because of these principles. The two become one flesh. All the things he said about it makes polygamy impossible. For example, he said your body belongs to your wife. That of your wife belongs to you. Do you get my point? How are you going to share it when there's another wife inside? Are you getting my point? These things are clear. That's why Christians believe in monogamy. It's based on the scriptures that tell us, you understand, that in the beginning he made them male and female. The two will now become one. And he used the word two. In answer to us later, Paul was writing. He said, don't you know that your body belongs to your wife? And he turned to the wives. Oh girl, your body belongs to your husband. That makes polygamy impossible for us because we don't know how to rearrange the equation of God. I'm talking about the oneness. Based on that principle also, that is why we understand, alright, that everything I have belongs to my wife and everything I have, uh, she has belongs to me. That's why. And let me say another thing, Christians, to make your life easy. Establish your policies and principles early. Not when there's conflict. Now start telling people what you believe. Let them know. I've said many, many Christians are having, they fight their family or maybe choice of a wife, choice of a husband and stuff like that because they are detecting late how you live your life. They didn't know it early. They didn't know how crazy you were. They thought your Christianity was okay. Is a type that they can get along with. You have not disagreed on important things. When they were doing masquerade, you followed your father. You danced with him. Then you now want to go and bring in one girl from Kogi or Benue State. And you want him to agree. If it's you, which you two, you agree. You are from uh, Enugu. You will not cross, you drive. People that even have border, border, you know, border conflicts. You now go and marry from the other community. You think your father will agree? Don't blame him. You, you have four more years to persuade him. Oh, that we should have been persuading him early. When they say there's masquerade time, say that 
Choose, should I be, obey you or obey God? What do you mean? You show him from scriptures. That's idolatry. If anyone is in Christ, it's a new creature. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. You know, you show him those people, they will be fight. Oh, your uncles will settle. After a while, they say, don't mind, that's how these Christians behave. Very foolish people. Once they call you a fool for Christ, you are, you are blessed eternally. Then when you now come tomorrow, go and marry a fool and a girl, they will, they will follow you. They won't vote. You will be, you will be behind your back, but they will go. <laughs> Why? They are already used to your madness. That's why I tell you, show your madness early in life. Show it early in life. Your mother said, tell her I'm not around. Say, mommy, you know I can't say that. Eh? You are in front of me. Okay, no problem. I'll tell her. Good afternoon, ma. My mother said she tell you she's not around. <laughs> Why you do that twice? Your mother will never send you that kind of nonsense message again. <laughs> the Lord is good. When you bring such things, they won't talk again because since you were young, they understood that they are, you stood by setting what? Principles. Many Christians spring surprises concerning their faith when it comes to marriage. And that's why they have so many problems. I hope you're getting my point here. Back to the issue. So, we're talking about oneness, right? We're talking about equality. We're talking about oneness. Listen, we stick by the principles of God. Is The two shall become one. Which means everything they do, they do, let me put it like this. They have a singleness of Purpose. Everything they are doing, they are looking in the same direction. The success of the man is the success of the family. The success of the woman is the success of the family. They just need to sit down together and put their heads together. They are not adversaries. A woman divorced her husband. I read that Kenegi was talking about it. An younger Christian woman musician. She divorced her husband so she will have time to establish her identity. That is establishing confusion eternally. Which I de- no, I'm serious. You know, some crazy people are out there. Why? Because you see, the husband is overshadowing her, whatever. She needed to establish her identity. What is identity? She now goes around singing songs. That is not ident- that's confusion. She's not establishing any identity. The success of the man, she should she should learn to see it as her own. In every society, you see vestiges of their faith. If you go to the Western West, probably a place like the United States, all right, where Christianity had a very, very strong influence. Until modern times, they're trying to spoil it, but the influence is still there. If, you, if a man and his wife get divorced, they kick the man out of the house. That's the principle, you know. Here, you know, he said, a man, he drove his wife out of the house. That's why here in Nigeria. There, police will escort you out if you don't want to go out peacefully. They will help, they will stand by you while you pack. They will let you know you have 10 minutes. They caught belief. I'm not kidding. No. Oh, they caught belief will come, escort you nicely, gisting with you, playing with you while you are. <laughs> so normally you don't have to do that because all the men understand. They peacefully move to their friends' house, their friends' houses, motels, go and hire another small house. And this is the interesting part. In most of those homes, the wife didn't work. I mean, they were married for 15, 18 years. They built one lovely house. And this is the logic. The reason why you could walk and bring that money home was because she was at home. These three children, who raised them? She did. This home belongs to you. And you, you're a strong man. Weather can kill you easily. I'm serious. That's the culture. They move you out of the house and leave the house for her and her children. You go and rent another house. 
It's in Africa, you know, since you are going back to your father's house. Those guys, police will send you to your father's house. <laughs> These are the remnants of faith. Because that, that one, they understood that, listen, whatever you guys achieved in life, you achieved it together. There have been many modifications over time because, of course, when something good happens, people now start doing, and they, start, they start taking advantage of it. There are people, they, just, they, are, they are very wicked women there, just looking for the man to marry. So that one looks like he has money. Let's marry him. Marry him for three years, we divorce him. And serious, they do that. So they've had to start modifying their laws, modifying their laws to take those things into account. My, my, my friend's wife was in school of nursing in the U.S. She was telling me that <laughs> some of the people in their class said that they want to practice nursing. No, that they are just here to get a job so they can catch, catch one of these doctors, marry them, and that's it. Marry the guy for five years, divorce him, he pays you for life. That's what they are looking for. I'm serious. They told her straight that you think we came here to come and learn to work. Let's just finish this thing because America doctors end very, very well. So just you know, find one neurosurgeon like that, marry him. Start some time, divorce him. <laughs> they will be working for you. There's <laughs> one particular one, really, neurosurgeon. He killed the woman. Police arrested him. They didn't care. Say, I'm not working for you. I'll go to prison. Don't worry. But you're dead. Oh, they do that. When they see that the women, they, they plot it. So they've had to be modifying laws on how long were you married, what was the individual. That's why when you see them start signing prenuptial agreement, that's why. Now, but listen, it's based, it's, it's, you know, an enemy has done this. God planted wheat, that's the tears you now find planted amongst the good thing that the Lord did. I'm just going to bring out the principle that the culture born of faith understood that everything belongs to both of them. What we do as Christians is just to learn proper management in the home. You are the man doesn't mean that. Look, there are men that are very responsible with money. Talk to yourself. Don't be the one to handle money in the house. End the money. Don't even have an ATM card. No, have one ATM card for one account. And tell your wife to please, good afternoon, man. Can I have my allowance for the month? Because you know yourself. No, really, it's for your own good. There are some men, they are so indisciplined. They are changing their phone every year. Because of them, Apple is making money. Samsung is making money. Samsung is always declaring profit. You are always declaring loss. You have not asked yourself. There are some men. When you say, sometimes you look at a man. You are still doing like that. You change phone every year. You are the one paying. Honestly, your wife should handle all the cash. And if the two of you are like that, then I don't know which hope. (laughs) We will pray for you. It's not a sin unto death. We will pray for you. Now, the point I'm making is that, but we recognize oneness. Like I said last time when we were closing, your wife is the most important person to you. More important than your mother. Did you hear what I said? They said, my mother carried me for nine months. That's her duty. Somebody took care of her for nine months. She's paying back the one they carried her to. <laughs> no, that's all I've been now. So don't look at this. The person you are carrying now owes you. No, you are paying back the one that carried you before. That's Christian culture. The marriage covenant is stronger than the bond between a man, his children, a woman, her children. It's stronger. Why? God made it like that. And and God made it clear. By the time the man is getting married, he must leave his father and his mother. I know I didn't say the woman must leave. Because she was given. I don't know whether you get the point. So she had already left. When he said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother. The reason is that this is the principle. He said they were marrying and were being given in marriage. The way the Bible talks about it, women don't marry. It's men that marry. The women are given in marriage. 
So that's why he made that statement. Everybody understood that the woman would leave. Why? She's given in marriage. But he had to emphasize to the man, you two, you will leave. And the two of you will now become one. These are the foundational truths of Christianity upon which we build our practices. So, do you have joint account? You don't have joint account? That becomes a matter of personal arrangement. Are you getting my point here? Yes. Depending on how you, your, you know, your function. I used to tell people that those days, was much later my wife and I opened a joint account. Before those days, because of the way things were, we just opened accounts. But, you know the truth? My wife, literally, that's not a joke, who walked into the bank I used that time, and they, most people there knew me. I said, please, what's my husband's balance? And they wouldn't think about it. They would just say, and give it to her. They would just hand, because they knew us that well. There was a day to make it easy for me. I said, okay, sign these forms. Yeah, sign here. So somebody told me that you could register a second signatory. So it's not every time. I, now, you know, online banking has made things easy. But those days, online was not so, I said, I beg, beg, come, come, sign these cards. Let me go and register your signature. So it's not every time I'm running up and down. He said, ah, what if, what if, if your problem is what if, let me just tell you, I'm not talking to you. Yes, see me later. You have a problem. We'll solve your own. Are you getting my point? I'm talking to normal people currently. <laughs> people are trying to obey God. Are you getting my point? Yeah. You no, know, really, like I said to you, there are problems some people are trying to solve. I'm setting God's standard. I'm just setting the standards of God. Then we will now modify it according to our I mean, to make, no, we're not modifying his standard though. We're modifying the application. Do you get my point? The application is what we are now designing, but based upon this divine template. Because if you're saying, well, what if your wife runs away with your money? You know, your problem is more than money. You, we have other things to pray for people about. For you to be thinking your wife can run away with your money, you should know that you guys, you guys have a more serious problem than money. Do you follow my point? Some people tell me that hey, if a woman, you know, I hear some arguments sometimes. I say you don't understand. You are dealing with abnormal people. <laughs> they will say that he say a man can, cannot divorce his wife. What if the woman, the man is carrying a gun and pursuing her? They will call a psychiatrist. If this one they are trying to make it look like normal. Do, do you get my point? Let's not take those abnormal situations and use them to define the rule of God. That's what I'm going to explain. Okay. So, the point I'm making here is this. Let's, we must recognize that oneness. Listen, when we obey God's order, you'll be amazed at the kind of joy and happiness we'll have. What people are looking for all over the place, they're inside our homes already. We just don't realize it. We need to unlock the goodness, the sweetness that he has planted inside the homes for us. We need to unlock them by adhering to his principles. Remember I began by explaining what? It's what? Exercise in godliness. That's how we set the standards. We are exercising ourselves in godliness. Listen, I believe that, of course, you know, marriage is interesting. You know, I say it jokingly like this. I say it's such a bad idea, only God could have invented it. What I mean by bad, in quote, is that it's not workable outside God. But no, it's not workable. It's not workable. It's not workable. Without divine power with you, all of this we are explaining is the way by which we release divine power into our homes. It's not workable. Listen, husband, listen, wife. If you don't want to pray, please don't marry. Okay, you have married. That's why you're called husband and wife. Okay. You must learn to pray. Let's just put it like that. As for single guys, if you're not interested in praying, don't bother. 
You know, it's not always better to marry. You know, Peter said it. He told John, it's better not to marry. You know, that's what Peter said. When Jesus came to him today, and said, after that whole story of you can't deliver, Peter looked, James, James said, ah. Matthew, what do you think? Ah, Andrew, Philip. They couldn't argue with the Lord. So they said, all right, fine. God, Jesus, what you have said is correct. Oh. Well, what we are going to do, he will start preaching a new gospel. It's better not to marry. And you was in the Bible like that. Solomon said it's better to dwell in the corner of a roof. <laughs> be on top, be alone. Than to be on that same, that same roof, under that same roof, with a contentious woman. That is a matter of fact. So what I'm going to emphasize is that it's not workable without divine power. It's not. That's why I told you before, all this, uh, how to, uh, many books, most books on marriage, I can't even hold them for long. When they start, after reading two lines, I'm bored. I throw them away. Many times we are, we are reading books by people who believe that marriage is not stable. It can easily break. So they write principles on how to stabilize an unstable thing. Your foundation is different from theirs. They have a culture that believes that, look, if you guys don't agree, you can just separate and go your separate ways, and God is happy with it. And if you're a pastor, you can marry one of the choir ladies, especially the, the lead singer. She's good for your ministry. Your wife does not sing. She does not play the piano. So you divorce her. Your ministry grows faster when you marry the choir girl. And they may not say, but they believe it, and they practice it every day. Some people will not write books for you on how to make a marriage stable, and you want to read it. Be describing for you how to buy flowers. Describing for you how to, you know, how to be nice to your wife. Talk to you how, how to how to discuss every decision so she will not be offended. And you'll be reading it. You don't know that his everything is written on a faulty foundation. There are things you'll be doing to your doing for your wife. I haven't read it in the book. The wife will be looking like this man trying to drive me away. Because you no, do you get my point? If he said this, he, does, he doesn't trust me. He's, he's, he's putting too much effort into making me happy. And you don't blame her. You, it's obvious that, you, and you don't know, you're obeying a man who needs all of that to make his wife stay. I used to say jokingly. He said, a man was preaching. He said, you need to remember your wife's bread. American, of course, Nigerians don't say such things unless they read, read American books. You know, real Nigerians don't preach some gospels. They said, you need to remember your wife's birthday because if you don't, another man will. That, for that reason, I wanted to forget it for 10 years. Let me see the person that God wants to punish that will be remembering what I have forgotten. <laughs> what gave you the right to be remembering what I have forgotten? Is it your wife? <laughs> but you know, when, when the man said this, when I was with, I said, what, what things are you talking about? But you see, he's coming from a different culture. They, they, they don't have, you know, for them, the, the, the woman can live because she forgot her birthday for three years, which is a sign that you don't love her anymore. And the marriage is built on the feeling of love, not the covenant made in the presence of God. That's how many of those books, I can't read them. I can't. I can't. Why? Because the foundation is very different. I'm going to establish something here. Our foundation is based on spiritual truth. So it is empowered. It is powered only by release of God's spirit. And if you are not willing to pray... And learn how to tap into the power of God. There's no way you will enjoy it. Because that thing is naturally unstable. Did you hear what I said? 
Marriage is naturally, naturally, by nature, unstable. What keeps it together is what? The power of God, which we activate by prayer, obedience to his truth. It's not method that will make your wife happy. In fact, if you think method will make a woman happy, obviously you are not married. It's like, you know, there's one my wife does that. Sorry, baby, don't mind eh? <laughs> See, it's like, today my wife will do something. Eh? And it's supposed to excite me, you know what I'm saying? Excite me in dark rooms, you know? Then she will do it next week. And I want to respond the same way. Say, can't you see a woman leave her alone? I said, but baby, last week, you told me that. <laughs> Apostle, all these people must close your ears while discussing. <laughs> Jokes, you get my point? Are you on my side? <laughs> so I said, baby, you are getting me confused here. So I realized when you live with the woman, you have to pray all the time. Say, Lord, this one, my wife is dressed like this. This is supposed to make me excited. <laughs> the Lord will say, all right, kill and eat. Say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, listen, no, there's no method. No method. No method. There's no method. Because today, you do something, you react this way. You do the same thing the other day, the reaction is the other way. That is why you need what? This. You need prayer. You need prayer. So if you are not going to, if you are not one that believes in the power of God, don't bother. And but listen to this. We have a duty to teach this generation that marriage is sweet. Yeah, we do. We do. We have this, we have the duty. We do. One of our sisters, I've told the testimony many times. Said the way her father treated her mother, she made up her mind she would never marry. Then she lived with my wife and I for about two months or so. Then she changed her mind. To me, that, to me that was the testimony. She lived also about is it two months or so, and she changed her mind. Oh, that actually. So what? Now I want to give my own words now. So what the Bible actually said is true. And that's just by living with us for a while. And I think that's the duty we have as believers. Remember, it's an exercise in what? Godliness. It's an exercise. It's an exercise in godliness. It's something you do, not how you feel. You're obeying what instructions God has placed down. And through you, he wants to show you the world what it is like. Let me say something to you. God hardly finds good examples in that area. Like I said, we're not doing a marriage seminar. I will soon close now, but... Let me just emphasize it. We owe it to the Lord. Though. Listen, there's no method. That, I mean, that's what I was trying to say. There's no method. It's the manifestation of the Spirit. And the foundation for the manifestation of the Spirit is imbibing truth. If you want the Spirit to manifest in your life, first thing you do is take scriptures, imbibe what is true. That's what I'm doing, the teaching I'm doing today, especially today. Of course, over the last two meetings on this particular subject. It's not, how do I do this? No. Believe it. The Spirit of God will come upon you and bring that thing to pass. Don't let anybody discourage you. There are so many bad stories out there. 
to discourage people. There are plenty. Many of them in the lives of ministers of the gospel. I feel like just saying that. Many of those stories in the lives of ministers of the gospel. Don't let them discourage you. I keep on repeating this, but God have mercy on me too. But it's because they are prominent people, and many young people look up at their lives. Two of our prominent preachers in Nigeria, the first one got up, came to church, and casually announced to us that he and his wife, they are separated. No, they didn't separate. They were divorcing themselves. They were getting a divorce, and the wife left. Now, like I said, I don't mean to be mean. People say, judge not. I have not judged. To assess the situation is not judgment. What the Bible says is that don't pass judgment on people. That is, you will die. You will not succeed. God will punish you. That's one to say, don't judge. Okay? To assess the situation is not what Jesus said when he said, judge not. People misquote that scripture. All right? Now, I, I understand that people can have issues. Like they say, is a man wearing the shoes that nowhere is pinching him. Okay? However, what I disagree with, which is the reason I'm talking about it, that please, God said, I hate divorce. Let's not make it casual. Let's not trivialize it. That's what I'm saying. That it's about to crawl through those experiences into our country. Let us not trivialize it. What is the instruction of God to Christians? He said the woman must not leave her husband. The man must not divorce his wife. What if things are so bad they have to separate? He was talking to believers. Both of them are Christians. Both of them are Christians. He said they must not. He, he said, Paul said, the Lord, not I. He had given instructions to, instructions to single people and said, this is what I think and I have the spirit of God. But he said, the Lord, not I, said this. But you know, we, the way we treat it as if he didn't say anything, it's what I don't get. That's what he said. He said, what if things are so hard? Last time the man fired a shot through the roof. You know what Paul said? Then she should move out, live in another house. He gave them the right to separate. So after they separated for five years, they now want to remarry. He said they have, they have to find a way to be reconciled. He was talking to Christians. You no, know, the problem we have sometimes is that we want to apply Christian principles to unbelievers. This thing I've said is not applicable to unbelievers. Because you need the power of God to obey the word of God. He said they want, he said the man now decides that he wants to marry. He said, no problem. He should find a way to reconcile with his wife. Not to find scriptures to justify what happened. You know what? It's important to God. That's why he talked like that. That's why I keep on preaching. Don't let any man of God change the doctrine. I prefer those ones that things are rough with them. They do their things quietly. I'm not saying it's good, but they don't try to make it normal to the rest of us. Listen to me. In both situations that we're talking about in both situations. Listen to me, people of God. What you believe is important to In both situations, at least, listen to me, at least 20 years before this was divorced, they had preached in their Bible schools that there was nothing wrong with it. I said 20 because that was when I heard about them. Listen, young man, young woman, Christian. There's a book I said I will write. I, don't, I pray I will write it one day. It's supposed to be another follow up to, shall I say yes? I wanted to title it, I need to know. What do I need to know? What you need to know about the man and woman you want to marry is what the person 
thinks in the bottom of their hearts. It's how they think. It's not what they do. A man can be physically rich, but spiritually, in his soul, he's poor. He's eventually, what is inside the heart will rise and take over from that which is physical. If he's physically rich now, he'll become poor later. But if it's the other way around, don't worry. Eventually, his physical poverty will give way to the spiritual wealth that's inside his soul. You are talking with a man, he wants you to marry him. He doesn't see anything wrong with men who have two wives. And you are still talking to him. And you are still talking to him. Change your number so he can't call you again. By the time he calls you, you are engaged to somebody else. When he calls the guy, ah, I've been looking for a number. I say, sorry, you know, I'm planning my wedding. Eh, you are getting married here, so just to get away from you. <laughs> Two of you are in love now. He's already arguing to you and justifying the fact that that man needed to kick out his wife. If you still go ahead with that wedding, I think you are sick. You think that love will sustain you people? It can't. It is the faith in his heart that sustains you people. It's what you people believe. Those situations I'm telling you about, what they believed came to pass. You know why? Because the word becomes flesh. Because the word becomes flesh. Listen, if you want to succeed in anything in life, don't go out to go and hustle. No, please, that's not where we start. We do our hustle inside. We take the word of God and, you know, study, listen, pray, pray, until we are convinced of what is written in there. Because once that thing is implanted, engraved in our hearts, it will always produce outside. Whether you are aware now or not, whatever your genes are, that's not the issue. Concerning your, uh, your health later. is whether you have taken the word of health and believed that Jesus actually that not like this is how they say in our church. That means you are personally convinced. This is what God said about you. You imbibe in the time of peace. It will speak in the time of trouble. That's our Christian's labor. I'm happy we even did this, this three days short teaching on this marriage matter. So that young single people imbibe the truth. I've been married for... Eight, yes, I've completed 18 years. This is the 19th year. In six months... Slayo. In six months, I've been the 19. I will have done 19. Come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I can assure you, only the word of God sustains this thing. I was preaching once. I told somebody, I've married that time about 8, 10 years. Yeah, up to 10 years. Yeah, more than 10. I said, I love my wife more now than I did when I first married. I'm sorry, a woman stopped me at work and said, I've never heard that before. And I'm not, I'm not lying. And that was some years ago. And as of now, I can say the same thing again. And it's not a lie. And it's not a lie. What I'm trying to say to you is that it's not a trick. It's not something you can determine before you marry the woman. You know, by like, I check whether, no. It is something that God gives. It's called grace. It's called grace. It's called grace. Grace and peace is multiplied in the knowledge of God. So it's as you imbibe the truth of God that you set your heart for grace. 
And once, I still remember that day, I was driving around that uh, back lake road near that care, where care used to be. Something just passed through my mind. And I said that between NNPC, that, you know, that area, on the way to the airport, I think I was coming back this way. And I reasoned to myself. I, I said, over the, I just went over the last many weeks or months that my wife had become normal to me. You know, normal. Just, you know, my normal. Just a friend. You were just there, you know. And I, and I remember once, and I prayed in the car there. You know, you know that I prayed later in the car. I said, God, no, this is not right. Though. I said, you said, be, no, the word of God is not counsel. It's what? Instruction. And it is power. It is power. You used to pray. You, you use, I mean, you hold on to that way. It releases power into your life. I remember what I prayed that day. That he's, you said in your word, Lord, that be exhilarated with her love at all times. No, I don't like this casual love. It's not good. My prayer is be exhilarated. Be excited. I, 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 that day I pray. I say, God, please. That's what I'm asking you for. Let me testify. He answered. He answered. Now I traveled the other day for one week. When my wife came to receive me at the airport, she wore an evening shining gown. <laughs> wore high heels, silver shoes. Oh, Father. <laughs> Oh, Lord. I said, baby, you are looking. He said, yes, I came to receive my husband. I was gone for one week. Those at the airport have thought that I was abroad for one year. I went to Sokoto one week. There's no trick. It's not as if I'm a good person. She's a good person. Nothing. I'm one of the most impatient men that God made. I'm telling you, it's grace that brought patience into my soul. I used to be a very angry man. Just getting angry. Until one day they measured my blood pressure had gone up. I said, it's not good. <laughs> now, I spoke to myself. <laughs> oh, God. So it's not, I mean, it's not a personal trait. That's what I'm making. It's not a personal trait. It's God. And when we imbibe his truth, we learn the truth, he will do the same thing in the lives of everybody. Listen, Christian husband, you're not going anywhere. I do, there's no way you're going. Your, your, you, that girl, permanently, yours, you, are go, you, are, you have been gummed together, you have been grafted, she's yours, you are hers, there's no way you are going. Even if she puts a knife in your back, we'll stitch it for you. Yeah, you are going back home. I'm telling you the truth, though. Don't it. Say she wants to kill me. Don't worry. We'll separate you for two days. We'll talk to the two of you, but you are not going anywhere. That is the standard of God. And we will maintain it. We will teach this world that this is how it is. We will teach them that Jesus can do that which no man can do. Let's bow down our heads to pray. Alright, if you're blessed, they give me an amen. amen. Let's rest our feet. We are closing now. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your, you are establishing your truth in our lives and through us in this generation. We give you praise in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I declare to your people who are present here today, the Lord bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. The word of God will cause you to increase in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Righteousness will increase in your life in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Amen. Now listen to this. People looking for help will come and see you. Yes. Amen. I say amen to that too. Amen. You will be a source of life for people. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. When they want to make decisions that are pleasing to God, they will ask you. Amen. God will make you a light in your neighborhood. Amen. He will make you a light in your office. Amen. He will fill you with understanding. Amen. Now listen to this. this. Expect this, expect this. The word of knowledge will start operating in your life. Now, what does that mean? People will come to you. You don't know anything. You will start speaking. And they will be wondering, did somebody report me to him? That should be your testimony in the name of Jesus. It shall come to pass that I will pour my spirit on all flesh. Upon you, the spirit of God will be poured. And you will manifest the gift of the Spirit in the name of Amen. Jesus. I say it again. Upon you the Spirit will be poured. Amen. And you will manifest the gift of the Spirit in the name of Amen. Jesus. The Spirit of Joseph, that's your portion. Amen. You will interpret dreams. Amen. Things that will happen in 10 years time, you will know it today. Amen. And you will be a source of encouragement to those in power. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Spirit of Daniel, that is your portion. Amen. You will solve difficult problems in the name of Jesus Christ. The operation of the gifts of the Spirit will happen in your life regularly. You don't have to be on the pulpit or be a preacher. Joseph was not a preacher. Daniel, many of us don't realize it, was not a preacher. The Jews did not consider him a prophet. He was a civil servant. That's what Daniel was. The prophecies of Daniel that you read today, they were given to him for personal consolation. What am I going to say? That same spirit of Daniel, it rests with you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You will be excellent in all that you do. Amen. To everyone here who is having marriage trouble, I speak peace into your home. Amen. That evil spirit of discord, I command it to depart in the name of Jesus. Amen. Peace is restored into your home in the name of Jesus. Amen. There are many single people here. The trouble you will have had next year after you married, it dies today in Amen. Jesus' name. You're not married yet, too, but that trouble has died. Amen. Why? The truth of God came to you today and you received it. Amen. That truth will defend you in the name of Jesus. Amen. It is well with you. Amen. In your going out, it is well with you. Amen. In your coming in, it is well with you. Amen. God will make all grace abound towards you. Amen. You will have all sufficiency in all things. Amen. And you will abound to every good work. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Peace be still in every troubled area. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Every Christian is in the highest cult on this earth. We call it the cult of Christ. That's why we are not afraid of Oboni. We are not afraid of witches. We are not afraid of anything. Because the only person we should fear is on our side. That is God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are in a cult, you have to eat your sacrifices. Our sacrifice is the flesh of Jesus and his blood. We drink his blood. And then you have to have your own incantation. Our incantation is the word of God and things derived from the word. And that's why we wrote that from. We declare God's word. And that's it. So that's why we're not afraid. We have the highest power on our side. So let's share the grace in fellowship. You are ready to say amen? Amen. One, two, let's go. Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. 
We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now bless three people around you one by one. This is your season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth in the name of Jesus. Bless another person. One more person. This is your season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth in the name of Jesus. Don't forget to yourself. This is my season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth in the name of Jesus. All right, cherub brethren, God bless you abundantly.